Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Kevin Ingram. He is one of the two radio voices of Vanderbilt Athletics. Kevin was on the sidelines doing work there in Hawaii. So with that, we'll go to Kevin and hope you enjoy today's interview. Kevin Ingram joins me today as he does often during sports season. Kevin off a long flight home from Hawaii. Boy, what a what a trip. Not just the outcome, but that was a... I'm sure that was a bear of a trip for everybody just getting used to <laughs> to you know body clock and and sleep habits and and whatnot. How was it all? Uh yeah, Chris, it was it was a really fun trip first of all and it was fantastic to go out there. For me it was a little shorter trip. Uh I didn't go until Thursday. I got there Thursday afternoon and then uh came home right after the game with the team uh late Saturday Sunday morning and uh it, it was fine. It was about Nine hours going out there. I flew from here to Atlanta. Norman Jordan and I flew together here to Atlanta and then nine hours to Hawaii. And then coming back, it was a little closer to eight hours. You get a little bit of a push from the wind. But it, it really, for as long of a trip as it was, it was about as good as it gets in terms of the travel. So, uh, yeah, I can't complain. But it's taken my body clock a little bit to get turned back around. It was like by the time I got used to being out there, it was time to come back home. And uh, I think today's the first day I've just felt sort of normal. And, and, and talking to some folks uh earlier today as Vanderbilt finished up practice. I think a lot of us were in kind of the same boat. Well, it's been a good week for the program, but maybe not such a good day today. The school has announced running back Maurice Edwards and linebacker slash defensive back Daniel Martin have both been kicked off the team for undisclosed reasons. So wanted to get out there and, and wish those kids luck. I thought Edwards in particular could have helped them, but they have – had an uptick in performance by some of the other guys too. They have, and uh, I, I saw the same thing you did, Clark Lee. State been talking about uh, those guys no longer being with the program, and and how the the players and everybody around the program are held to a certain standard, and uh, I guess had not met those standards. So yeah, I wish those guys the best. Uh, a couple freshman guys who actually got here early. They were early enrollees back in January, but uh, yeah, you wish those guys the best. Yeah, I, I don't think Clark plays around much. You you can feel the stamp of his presence and the discipline and all those things r- really being felt. And, and certainly you saw a pretty disciplined effort over in Hawaii. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, after a shaky beginning, uh, Vanderbilt came out and oh, Hawaii came out, I should say, and then scored a touchdown right away, drove right down the field, used short passes and set up a long run. And Vanderbilt on offense stalled out and committed some penalties and things that uh, – sort of looked like the first game of the season. But for the most part, for about three and a half quarters, Vanderbilt played really, really well and and showed that discipline. There weren't very many penalties after that opening stretch. And uh, I I thought the guys just, uh, they looked well-schooled and uh, the offense clicked and the defense made some really big plays. The the two defensive touchdowns, especially the one by Anthony Orgy, I thought was just a huge play in that game. A momentum changer that also gave Vanderbilt the lead. So there's a lot to feel good about coming out of that game in Hawaii. 
Well, Kevin, Hawaii is in a rough spot. It's doing a deep rebuild. I thought talent-wise, Vanderbilt overmatched Hawaii pretty clearly. And so when it's a case of a game like that, sometimes you are careful to make sweeping takeaways from a game. But what did you see that you might think are things that we know about this team going forward based on what we saw in Hawaii? Well, I think uh, offensively, you certainly got a glimpse of, of Mike Wright in season three and just the things that he's capable of doing, the speed when he got to the edge of the one long run, the 87-yarder, where he just basically outran a couple of uh, defensive backs who thought they had the right angles, and he just blew past them on the way to the end zone. And hey, He made some nice throws as well and some good decisions, a couple touchdown passes to Will Shepard, so a lot to feel good about the way Mike played, but I, I thought just the running backs in general, Ray Davis and Rocco Griffin, they both ran hard and ran with a purpose and had good nights. And you, you saw a little bit of everybody as the game went along and it got out of hand. But um, I, I think those things really stood out. And defensively, I, I like the adjustments that Vanderbilt made to uh, slow down the passing game by Hawaii. As I mentioned earlier, those, those slants and short passes were really working for him early in the game. And you had Dietrich Parson with that long run, uh, the 37 yarder for the touchdown. But Vanderbilt seemed like he kind of turned off the water a bit on those slants as the, the first half went along, and, and that served him well and got the couple turnovers. and Yeah, just, just all the way around. I thought you had a lot of good performances. But the thing I really liked was the way they just settled in and didn't let the, the slow start phase them. And, and Clark Glee even talked about after the game how it was a different feeling from a year ago when East Tennessee State came in here to Vanderbilt Stadium and, and came out with a win. And Vanderbilt, you know, had – spent a whole lot of the night trying to come back in that game, but it felt like a, a new beginning and a new season as far as the way Vanderbilt responded after some, uh, some early hiccups by the offense and some good work by Hawaii's offense as well. Well, Kevin, one thing I thought when I'm watching it, I had not seen a Vanderbilt defense fly around and play with that kind of energy and swagger since maybe James Franklin was at Vanderbilt a decade ago. I just thought that they just played with an energy and an attitude. And again, it's Hawaii. It's the worst team that's probably going to be on their schedule. So I, do, I want to be careful in ascribing too much meaning to it. But certainly that was a team that played with a lot of confidence and was super productive on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think Max Worship, among others, was a tone setter in that game. You'll look at the stats and see the seven tackles. But the 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 biggest play of the game, as far as I'm concerned, for Vanderbilt's defense is one I mentioned earlier. Worship made the big hit that forced a fumble. Amperny Orgy grabbed it out of the air and took it to the end zone, uh, 28 yards for the touchdown. But that, that was a huge play. But it just seemed like, as you said, the guys are just flying around. And uh, Nick Howell is the new defensive coordinator, and uh, Howell's hyenas have become you know, has become a little bit of a, a catchphrase around the uh, program. And those guys played that way. They, they got to the ball and uh, flew around and and did a lot of good things in that opening game. Kevin, are you ready for the mailbag? Let's do it. Let's go to the mailbag. All right. That is brought to you by our friends at Southern and Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell. That number, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Nash Native 615 says... What's the biggest difference you see between this year and last year's coaching staff? 
Uh, well, the, the coaching staff on defense is different. There are some, some new faces on that side of the ball with uh, with the coordinator, Nick Howell, uh, being first and foremost. Uh, the offensive staff is pretty similar. Of course, Joey Lynch has the more formal title of, of coordinator this time. He basically uh, served in that role uh, most of last year. I, I think it, one thing I, I really noticed as much as anything is just how uh, Clark Lee, not that he wasn't comfortable in the role last year, but it feels like he's been through a whole season of getting that experience as a head coach at the SEC level. And, and as a former player and a guy who's very familiar with this program, he, he knew what the situation was that he inherited and what he was getting himself into when he took the job and it took over the program. But he just seems like he, he's more, he, he feels more comfortable in the role. And you, you listen to him some after practice. I get a chance sometimes to listen into the huddle after practice. And it's interesting to hear some of the things that he talked about and just how he seems more comfortable in that role as well. Okay, the next one is from Theodore. Fill in the blank. The win against Hawaii was Vanderbilt's most dominant since blank. <laughs> uh, maybe the most dominant since Elon in 2011, I, I, I would guess. Uh, boy, you don't see many uh, 63 to 10s. Uh, that was fantastic. It was, it was a very dominant win for sure. Um, I, I don't, gosh, I'd have to go back through the, the scores and everything and look at that, but yeah, that, that was certainly a very dominant performance, no question. 96-Door asks, when Vanderbilt was down 7 nothing in the first quarter, what differences did you see in the players and the coaches this year versus the East Tennessee game last year? Yeah, I think there – and that game was certainly referenced by Clark Lee and then some others after the game, but you just didn't see any panic, I don't think, uh, even though – Hawaii looked successful, and their offense was really smooth and going down the field and scoring right away. Uh, you, you never never felt like Vanderbilt was just uh, going to really be on the ropes or anything like that. You know, you always talk about those times before and after halftime being important. Vanderbilt's score was six minutes to go in, in the uh, second quarter and then came right out in the third quarter and put up 35 points and put the game out of reach. Uh, Vanderbilt was ahead 21-10 to 10 at halftime, and he, he scored – three more times in about the first seven minutes or so of that second half, and it was over with uh, after that. But I, that, that's the thing that I really like. It's just the way Vanderbilt not only responded after some early adversity, but really slammed the door and didn't give Hawaii any hope of getting back into the game. You know, it's funny. Clark Lee got a lot of criticism a year ago for just the stoic nature that he displayed before and after the East Tennessee loss. But then you watched him post-game after Hawaii, and then you watched him again yesterday in his Tuesday press conference, and you wouldn't think you're looking at a guy whose team just scored a 53-point win. I think his point all along has been you kind of stay in the middle and stay grounded. You don't get pulled too far with the highs or the lows, and that really is the flip side to his personality that everybody was so critical of last year on display this year under very different circumstances. Yeah, and I think I think some of that is, uh, again, understanding that it's game one of uh, a 12-game regular season. Um, I think some of it is, is, is something that's actually very familiar for Vanderbilt fans in the program that is in the building that's right behind where I'm sitting right now, and that's the baseball program. You think about how many times you've heard stay in the middle uh, from, from Tim Corbin, that program over the last 20 years. And, and that served the baseball program well, not to get too hired when, when things are going great or too low when things aren't. And uh, just kind of keep going forward and 
and worrying about what's next. And, and I, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a lot of Clark's philosophy too. And that's, that's just his personality too. Although I will say there's more fire there than maybe people see or yeah. people realize, especially if you, like I say, I've, I've had a chance to listen to him some after practice and in, in his own way, he delivers the messages that need to be delivered. So if anybody thinks the fire isn't there, that he's just calm and stoic all the time, that, that's not the case. Yeah, he just doesn't do it with a lot of screaming and yelling. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I, I thought you know, the, the team played with passion and fire. And, again, we talked about that on defense, but maybe some of that just comes from when you're winning. But I think a lot of it comes from – his sort of changing the culture and getting buy-in, which he told us he felt like he had in the offseason, and it, it certainly looked like he had it at the opener. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and I think sometimes in those opening games, everything's been building toward that first game for so long. So those guys went through a few weeks of camp here in Nashville, then a full week of practice out in Hawaii, getting, getting ready for uh, that opening game. And you could feel it when the game was over with. I stood outside the locker room. I wasn't inside the door, but the, the way it was made, the, the ring was kind of open on the top where you could hear what was going on. And there was definitely a release of excitement and fun when that game was over and Vanderbilt had the win. But even going into the game, you, you felt like guys were stoked up and ready to play. And at, at this point, you know, there, there aren't any preseason games or you don't scrimmage against anybody else in college football. Uh, you play against your own guys all the way up until the time it's time for the opener. And, to finally get out there and get a chance to go against somebody else. I think that was a very welcome thing for these players and coaches. Believe 22 asks, can Vanderbilt beat Eline by at least 40 and says he would love to see another blowout? <laughs> I think we all love to see another blowout. Who knows what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know if he, how Elon might compare to Hawaii, but, you hope that you can come out and just have another solid effort and you hope there's no drop off or sort of uh, hangover effect from not only the win in Hawaii and, and it being the way it was, but also the long trip and everybody getting reacclimated to being in Nashville. But yeah, I'm, I'm all for another uh, victory like the one we saw last weekend. And gosh, any, any win is cause for celebration. That's one thing I've learned over the years of, of uh, covering football and covering this team. So yeah, looking forward to Saturday night. A couple more from the listeners before I get to a couple of my own on the next one up against Elon. Willie210 says, when did Kevin decide he wanted to pursue a career in broadcasting? And growing up, did you have a broadcaster you admired the most? Um, yeah, I, I really knew I wanted to do this from the time I was a little kid. Uh, I was not a very good athlete nor a good player in any sport. And my friends teased me. They always knew if I was going to be involved in sports, it would not be as a player. But um, I, I, I knew from an early age, and I had an uncle who worked in, in radio, and he got me interested uh, in, in that as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I majored in, in broadcasting in college, and so I've, I've known for a long time and have uh, had a, a very fun career that's uh, reached the 30-year uh, the mark at this point for me. Um, there, there are a lot of broadcasters I enjoyed and admired. Uh, growing, up, growing up in Kentucky, uh, the great Cable Ledford uh, was one of my favorites. Marty Brenneman, uh, Hall of Fame announcer, called the Reds games, which uh, most people who know me know that's, that's my all-time favorite professional sports team. Um, gosh, I, I, a guy I, I really came to love listening call hockey is, is Doc Emmerich. I just thought he was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, there, there are lots. And, you know, Vince Gully just passed away uh, 
he to me he's the icon for broadcasters. Maybe not just sportscasters, but broadcasters. But yeah, there are a bunch. I, I love the old school guys, Jack Buck, and uh, grew up on Pete Van Weeren and Skip Carey and, and, and that crew uh, calling the Braves game. So yeah, there there are a lot of guys uh, from my childhood that were fantastic announcers and, and big influences. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Nash Native 615, uh, and this one will be very personal, I'm sure, wants to know your favorite Mark Howard Nashville sports memory. <laughs> oh, I've got a bunch. I've got a bunch. I don't know that I can tell all of them on the air, but uh, yeah, Mark was a fantastic friend for uh, a long time, and uh, they're going to be a memorial service for him next week, but uh, gosh, we just spent a lot of fun times together uh, on the air and off the air. We did a couple trips, and uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I remember, uh, you know, for, from working with Mark, is all the the good natured arguments we all had, whether it was me, me and Mark, or Mark and Frank, or Mark and Blaine. And uh, there was one time where Mark and I had this argument. I believe it was about Nolan Ryan, and you know, whether he was overrated, properly rated, whatever. And uh, we went back and forth on this, and and Mark. I accused him of booking a guest on our show to try to win the argument. And, uh, <laughs> I, te- I teased him about this for years, like, Mark, it's over, man. I don't even care about this argument anymore. <laughs> but uh, I accused him of booking a guest. Of course, he, he denied it, but I, I still think he, he, uh, he uh, booked the guest to try to, to make his point. Man, I'm going to miss him so much. He was just an unbelievably talented sports talk guy knew so much about everything and and just a a really good guy too i know we obviously you knew him much better than i did off the air but i got to know him a little bit mark was always very kind and and gracious to me and i just was heartbroken to to hear of his early passing yeah no doubt about it uh i think everybody was and um yeah he he was more than just somebody i worked with i mean he was a really good friend and we we stayed in touch all the way up to the end um, I had just talked to him a few days before he passed away. We texted all the time, and you know, I found myself really missing him. I, you know, I it, it didn't maybe didn't even occur to me how much I talked and, and texted with him until after he was gone. And you know, I'll still see something about the Yankees or be watching some game. I want to text him about it, and uh, can no longer do that. But yeah, we'll we'll all miss Mark for sure. Well, Kevin, a few Elon-related questions, maybe, if you've started your prep. Uh, what, what are you looking for in, in that game uh, from both sides? Honestly, I, I've not done a lot of prep on, on the team, Elon, just yet. Uh, I, I just want a more, I want another solid performance by Vanderbilt, just a, a clean performance, come out, maybe get off to uh, a, a better start than the Hawaii game. If there's one knock on that game, it's, 
Uh, it, it was a little shaky at the beginning, but of course it's also a first game and you got to keep that in mind and keep that in perspective. But yeah, I just want to see another solid performance on both sides of the ball, see the offense be efficient and not a lot of penalties and run the ball and, and see Mike White, uh, you know, continue to show the growth and progression and, and leadership that we've seen out of him and defense continue flying to the ball and making things happen. Uh, just want to, want to see this team come out and uh, reward the home fans with another good performance. Well, well, here's the start. Maybe break that streak of touchdowns on the first drive. My goodness. I, I don't know what it's at now. Uh, it, it seemed like every game in the Clark Lee era, the other team has, <laughs> has scored a touchdown on the first drive. Maybe you I don't know, maybe you if you win the toss this time, because I believe they won it Saturday and um and and chose to kick, and I'm thinking, oh boy. Um we, we know how that went last <laughs> year. I don't know. I don't know if the if the coin toss difference is is or excuse me, the coin toss choice this time is different if they win the toss. But that that's one thing that I think everybody was just shaking their head, going, Man, the, the first drive for the defense has just been a disaster for a while. And at some point if it, if by nothing other than dumb luck, I think that's got to end. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, you know, I, I always defer if I if I won the toss, I would always defer to the second half because it feels like you can give yourself some built-in momentum coming out of the locker room. But I, if if I remember correctly, the only game that Vanderbilt scored first in all of last year was actually the ETSU game in the opener. I think the Commodores had a, a field goal to begin the the night. But uh, yeah, you just want to. Want to see a faster start? I'm still deferring. I don't care. Um, however the coin toss goes, I, I would rather have the ball coming out of the locker room start the second half. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you too, um, under most circumstances at least. But um, anyway, thank Kevin, thank you for your time today. Good luck in getting reacclimated to Nashville. I guess at least the heat and humidity won't be much different yeah. maybe than they were over there. But the, the time change, that, that's another thing. And uh, we appreciate you coming on today, and we'll have you again very soon. Sounds good, Chris. Anytime, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.